totally works. I'm having that. Thank you, Beth. If you want photos of that, oh, future, that's a good big white sheet behind you. Yeah, because that just looks like a mess. You should have <laughs> took it with the bookshelves. No, no, you don't do it again. I'm not bothering that anymore. Just do a selfie. No, I can't do selfies. Why not? Because they're crap. Besides, if you're going to do a selfie, shouldn't you be in a bathroom with your underwear on or something? Isn't that what selfies are? No, 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 no. The, the thing with selfies is you, uh, you can see, like, the toilet in the background with a dog. With a big turd in it. <laughs> Class. Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics. Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Faster. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the 150th episode of Hey Kids Comics. Mm-hmm. 150. We've done of these things. If you pretend they're years, we're older than Batman and Superman. <laughs> if you cut us in half like trees yeah. and look you at the rings. The line, <laughs> I wonder what that would would say. Um, We've got nothing tonight. We have no notes. We've got a couple of pencil scribblings. Yeah, yeah. Because we thought for the 150th episode, let's just rap, man. Mm. Let's rap with Cap. Yo, yo. So, yeah. So, we've got a couple of ideas of discussion points. One of which I thought, Secret Origins. Not so secret in your case. Well, a little bit secret. And my other topic was uh, why Marvel Tales is the best comic ever. That may that may be something I, I may go into later on. Yeah, well, that's why we do a show. <laughs> for we are opinionated. Our own opinions are our, our show. Yes, it's the way of things. And uh, another thing I did think was I found a bunch of books the other day under the bed that I forgot I had. So we're going to talk So about we're going to mention them and see if it provokes any discussion. And then the difference between comics collecting now and yeah. when I were little... Ee, when I were a lad. The difference is, everyone collecting them is not old. And how comics led me to a life of crime. <laughs> By which I mean... Did you steal Nick Cage's action comics? I did not steal Nick Cage's action comics. No, I should have done. Because that would have been worth quite a lot of money. And in between all of that, we are going to intersperse emails. Just to catch up. Just to try and catch up with the email. So we'll kick off with an email. Yeah. Before we, we launch into... Uh, the secret origins of us. We'll, we'll put a couple of trailers in, I would imagine, throughout the show. Uh, the first email is lovely Luke Giaconetti. We've not heard from Luke for a while. In terms of yes. reading emails on the show. And it's Cosmic Spider-Man AOV Part 2, which I presume is Acts of Vengeance. 
Mm. I presume that acronym. Not aliens. Versus. Or... Aliens are versus. <laughs> yeah. Aliens are ver- 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 velociraptors. <laughs> aliens oh, versus yeah. velociraptors. Have they never done that crossover? Dinosaurs versus aliens. Have they? Yeah. Have they done that? Right, it's a enough. Morrison title. Oh, right. So it's not the aliens from the, the no, movies. No. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Andrew and Michael, says Luke, a quick note to let you know that I enjoyed your coverage of both parts of the Cosmic Spider-Man story. I remember this storyline primarily for the fact there was a card of it in one set of the Marvel Universe trading cards, so good to finally learn the story behind it. Question. You guys found a lot of humour in the fact that Acts of Vengeance has two omnibuses. I don't know that it was humour, more of a, a magnum head rule. Of a, this has two <laughs> omnibuses? Acts of fracking vengeance? Has two omnibuses, yet ROM remains unreprinted. I wonder why. Well, they don't own the rights to ROM anymore. Well, that would be why. Then. That would be why it remains unreprinted. Problem, problem solved. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, so my question for each of you what's the most ridiculous or absurd omnibus absolute oversized prestige hardcover collection you have ever seen? My answer remains the Atlantis Attacks Omnibus, but at the same time, I've seen it on the 50% table at the LCS and seriously considered buying it. Thanks again, Luke. Oh, Secret Wars 2, I think. Okay. Because Secret Wars 2 is awful in every conceivable way, except some of the tie-ins are fun. But an omnibus of Secret Wars 2 and all of its tie-ins, that seemed a little bit much to me. I mean, it must have sold, or they must yeah, have thought yeah. there was an audience for it. That's, so that's my answer. What's your answer of the most ridiculous omnibus, absolute, or hardcover format thing, Mike? Um, uh, probably um, the Green Lantern absolutes. What, the Sinestro Core War and, and Blackest Rebirth, Night? Yeah. And Rebirth, Because they just collect the same things that Trey Poofax do. So there's just... no extra features? No. What's... What's because we saw that, that. We, looked, we, we we were thinking maybe we should get it maybe we should look at it well, yeah, you were because <laughs> at that point well, you were heavily into Jeff Jones's Green Lantern but, I was I've already got it why am I spending more money on it well yeah we did already have it that's the thing with them and there was some, um, there was nothing worth the double dip no right other okay. than absolutes are nice but yeah I'm sure Ethan Van Skeever's artwork looks very nice in absolute format yeah but, it looks know. just as nice in cheap paperback. Yeah, one would imagine so. At a much cheaper price. At a much cheaper price, yeah. Okay, fair do. Right, so the first email, done and dusted. Mm. Right, the next segment of the show you is... Do uh, another email? Do you want to do another email? I, I was going to launch straight into the Secret Origins. That was quite a short email. All right, okay, well, we're winging it tonight. So Bobby Quarkley has sent us an email. Hi, Bobby. It's another Acts of Vengeance one. Highlights 24 years later. Hello, Leylands. Hello, Bobby. One correction to the subplots you listed in the Cosmic Spider-Man story, Robert Ro- Robbie Robertson was not in prison for murder, but for not testifying against the hitman Tombstone after witnessing him murder a man 20 years ago. Robbie was sentenced to three years and wound up in the prison cell right next to Tombstone because Peter Parker's bad luck is apparently contagious. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah. now that he mentions it. You're interested in other things about Acts of Vengeance. Were we really? <laughs> were we really, Bobby? <laughs> really? Here are four major bits from that crossover. Number one, in Uncanny X-Men issue 256, Psylocke is transformed into a Japanese ninja warrior by the hand and the Mandarin. The full story was retconned about four years later in X-Men volume 2 issues 20 through 22 and re-retconned in X-Men volume 2 issues 31 and 32 when fans pointed out continuity errors with the first retcon. (laughs) Only in comics. Yeah. 
Number two, in Fantastic Four 334 through 336, Congress considers a superhero registration act, and Reed Richards explains why such a thing is just stupid. <laughs> this story was mentioned by fans a lot during Civil War, but not referenced in Civil War itself. I wonder why that would be. Mm. Could it be that by referencing that, it would point out that Civil War was a bag of s***? <laughs> Maybe. Could be. <laughs> Number three, speaking of Civil War, oh God, must we? Thor issues 411 through 412 features the introduction of the New Warriors. It was also the first appearance of Night Thrasher, which is a fantastic name. All it needs in there is blood. That's a porn star name, not a superhero <laughs> name. A character developed back when Marvel's African-American characters had to have skateboards. Could they all play baseball? No, it's basketball, isn't it, if you're yeah, black? Yeah, That's yeah. the stereotype if you're black, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You're good at basketball. Right, okay. Because you can jump. White boys can't White jump. White boys can't jump. Number four, in Daredevil 276, Daredevil defeats Ultron by hitting him in the neck with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big stick. I was jealous as I did not have a stick that big. <laughs> I'm sure that's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer line. If it is, my, I'd off my cap to thee, Mr. If I had a cap. Which I don't at the minute. I'm not wearing my Indiana Jones fedora at the moment. Should we go get our hats? Yeah, just so we can doff them. Yeah. Let's, we're audio, so let's just pretend we did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've just doffed our cap. But we just said we didn't. Shut up, we just did. <laughs> we totally just did. Acts of Vengeance also had a few villain versus villain stories. Loki fought Apocalypse in X Factor issue 50 with Apocalypse saying how absurd Loki's plan was. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's good of him to point that out. In Captain America issue 367, Magneto left the Red Skull in a dark fallout shelter with food and water in order to drive him insane. Of course, with the Red Skull, any extra insanity is kind of hard to discern. Looking forward to your Daredevil reviews, Bobby C. Oh, Angela's brought me me Indiana Jones fedora. No, she, she really has brought it. This isn't for the purposes of audio. So I'm going to put that on, and then I'm going to do that thing with the brim where I rub my hand across the front of it, and I'm going to wear it for the rest of the show. Alright. And Michael's got a backwards <laughs> baseball cap. You know what you look like now? Poochie. From The Simpsons. <laughs> you told like uh, Poochie. Poochie. And at the end of the show, Poochie went back to his home planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we may have to take a photo of this just to prove... <laughs> That we did this. Angela will have to take a photo of it. Yeah, and I'll put it up when this show goes up. Uh, looking forward to that. I've said that, Bobby C. Thank you very much, Bobby. We're still working on the Daredevil stuff. It, uh, it will happen, I'm pretty sure, at some point in the future, along with everything else that we've got planned for uh, future shows. So the Secret Origins thing. We've, we've, yeah. We have discussed briefly in the past where our, our comics love came from, but we've never sat down and discussed it all. I think you might have. I'd, I would read anything. So I was similar to you from being very young. My nan used to say I would read the back of a sugar packet. Yeah. So from being very young, I would read anything. And I started my own reading on my own with the Mr. Men books. There was 26 original Mr. Men books. Now, for those that aren't aware, um, the Mr. Men books were stories by Roger Hargreaves. They were little morality plays, but generally concerned characters like Mr. Strong, Mr. Bump, Mr. Sneezy, Mr. Uppity, Mr. Tickle, was a fantastic one, Mr. Happy, this kind of thing. And there were always little morality tales where the guys... By the end of the story, they were never their names anymore. So Mr. Uppity wasn't Uppity anymore, because yeah. he learned his lesson. Mr. Messy wasn't Messy anymore, because he'd learned his lesson, and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So by the end of the story, it, it kind of negated them having that name. <laughs> 
I think Mr. Strong is still strong at the end, isn't he? Yeah. Mr. Happy is still happy at the end. Mr. Tickle still... Mr. Tickle, tickle still tickle people. rapes people. <laughs> and Mr. Small is still small. Yeah. But the Does majority Mr. of them... Mr. still bump? No, Mr. Bump isn't bumpy anyway. He doesn't wear bandages anymore, does he? No. And Mr. Jelly's not scared of everything anymore and, and yeah. all that stuff. So, But they were the first stories I read to myself as a kid. Yeah. And I read them all to you lot. Yes. As you were growing up, and you even did the uh, theme tune for the cartoon. And the theme tune, yeah, and I did the yeah the theme tune for the cartoon is our trailer. Yeah. Once you finish reading the toys, you would then home. Well, the cartoon that was developed from the comics, the comics, the books, was Arthur Lowe, who is probably best known for being in Dad's Army, Captain Mannerin, would just read the stories, and the the stories were animated, and there was always two per episode. And in the middle, there was always, what a lot of Mr. Men there are. I wonder which ones you would talk about next. And they'd all flash up on the screen. Yeah. Like um, bingo balls. And you'd, yeah, I want Mr. Happy! I want Mr. Happy! And it would never be Mr. Happy. It would never be Mr. Happy. But that was, what a lot of Mr. Men there are. That's still a defining image from childhood. So that was the first thing that I actually read on my own. But I quickly graduated to comics because my granddad, as you know, yeah. was a very big advocate of reading. So I grew up with my nan and grand. I always wondered whether they felt a bit bad about this situation. Because it meant they lost a grandson in many ways. But they gained a son because they had three daughters. Yeah. So I don't want to paint this picture that because my mum and dad split up and I come from this broken home (laughs) that my childhood was all doom and gloom. Because it really wasn't. I had a perfectly happy childhood. And he would buy me a lot of British humour comics. The Beano. The Beezer. Wizard and Chips, The Dandy, these were all regular purchases. 2000 AD was a couple of years away, yeah, yeah I wasn't quite old enough. I, I, well, I was raised on 2000 AD. You were raised on, on that kind of stuff, yeah. That Beano terrified me more than 2000 AD does. Why does the Beano that, terrify you? That burr used to be in it. Biffa! B- yeah. Biffa the burr. He terrifies me. Why? He, he, he was a burr that wore dungarees. He looks creepy. And, yeah, I suppose he, he does. He looks like the yeah. kind of thing who'd be looking over you if you wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> Just stood the shit, waving from side to side, watching you. And you're going, oh, Now I know what it feels like. <laughs> um, the Beano gave us our Dennis the Menace who is significantly more menacing than the American version. The American version should be just called Dennis the Mischief, Yeah, shouldn't he? So it was my granddad who encouraged the comics, and I've mentioned before that it was because of this weirdo family thing that I have, that my nan and granddad are essentially my mum and dad. And, yeah. and don't get me wrong, I've got a great relationship with my mum and my sister. I haven't seen my dad since I was 17, and before that it was only sporadic between the ages of 12 and 17 that I saw him. Before that, he did try and make an effort. Yeah. But I don't, again, I, I don't harbour any ill will to him. He made whatever decisions he made, and, you know, life goes on. So, my granddad actively encouraged the reading. But my youngest auntie, my mum's youngest sister, is, I think of as being my sister, because yeah. she was still living at home when I started living with my nan. And my other auntie, my mum's middle sister is the one who took me to see Superman the movie in 1978, which obviously led to Christmas of 1978 and the infamous annuals that we won't bore everyone with. But growing up, the quest for comics was was all-encompassing. I distinctly remember the first time I went to a comic shop. Do you remember the first time you went to a comic shop? Yeah. What was it? 
can't remember, I can't remember who they were. I don't remember one being in... Uh, one of the earliest ones I remember was definitely the Liverpool Worlds Apart. Worlds Apart. Yeah, cause yeah. We, back when Michael was very, very little, like three or four, mm. we used to be able to go to Liverpool and not pay to park. I'm very big on not paying to park. <laughs> no, no, no. very big on not paying. I'm very big on not paying, <laughs> let's be honest. But I'm big on not paying to park because... We are screwed in this country by the government. I'm not getting on a political rant, but we are screwed in this country by the government on road tax and on having to have insurance and having to have an MOT on your car. And I I don't disagree with a lot of this. I think your car should be functional if you're driving it. But I don't think it should cost as much as it does. Because you have to have one, they can charge whatever the hell they like. And it's the same with car insurance, and it's the same with road tax. I did read somewhere that road tax makes somewhere in the region of one... No, it wasn't. It was much more than that. It was something like £13 a year. So why are we still in so much debt? And and they actually spend on roads something like £5 Right. So I am loathe to pay to park. I absolutely despise it, because I consider that they're screwing me for being a car driver as it is. Yeah. So, this meant that if we go out in the car anywhere, I'm always like, well, where will we park? I would rather go on a train and not pay to park. Yeah. Liverpool docks used to be free to park, back before they did it all up, and it was this major tourist attraction, it was just this dung heap dock, (laughs) where they used to film this morning. Yeah. And uh, we used to go there a lot because it was free to park. So we would go to the Worlds Apart mm. comic bookstore. So that's your first... No, there's... Yeah, there's three. Go on. There's that one. And I can't remember what the other one was. I want to say Southport. Yeah, well, there, there, there was, was this, Planet Eater in Southport. There was a huge next generation Enterprise hanging from the roof. Was that Southport? Preston. Preston. Yeah. There was Thunderbucks in Preston. And the other one was Marx. Yeah, Marx was the local... Well, he was Alpha Omega Comics, wasn't he? Yeah. He wasn't uh, It wasn't just Marx. So they're your, your first memories of comic book shop. Well, my first trip to a comic book store was June 15th, 1985. What is the significance of June the 15th, Michael? Sounds familiar. Does it? Does it really? It does. Just rack your brain a little bit. Yeah. Go on. It's not someone's birthday. It could be. It is, right. <laughs> it's not yours. It, it totally is. <laughs> it totally is my birthday. June 15th, 1985 was when I was first taken to a comic book store. Hmm. I had never been to a comic book store before. When you were looking through British Marvel comics over the time, you would always see adverts for comics and yeah. comic stores. There was one called Dark... Dark There Wasn't Golden-Eyed, or Dark They Were in Golden-Eyed, which was in London. And all of them were in London, which pissed me off. <laughs> but there was the Sheffield Space Centre. Now, Sheffield wasn't too far away. Yeah. But I started noticing that there was a advertisement for a comic book store called Odyssey 7 hmm. in Manchester. So that'll have been my 13th birthday mm-hmm. in 1985. My granddad took me to Odyssey 7. Now, Odyssey 7... Is this like the trip to Mecca? Yes, this was... Li- no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> it was that. Odyssey 7 was located on Oxford Road in Manchester. Yeah. And at that time, it was located in the university precinct, because I presume primarily the comic book reading audience were the university students. Yeah. And it was up the escalators, and it was down the road a bit. And honestly, the first time I walked in, it was... Ah! 
lights came on and the choirs of angels started singing and I did literally feel like I have come home. And it was one of those moments where I was completely overwhelmed yeah. by it all. They had, as you walked in the door, they had racks of new comics all down the middle and the walls were full of back issues and they still had back issue bins. You know, back when comic shops were comic shops. Yeah. And down the back end of the store, they had books, Star Wars novels and Star Trek novels and Battlestar Galactica novels, lots of American imported novels yeah. and stuff that you'd only ever seen in comics, like Star Wars blueprints and all that gubbins, which I thought was absolutely man- fantastic. It was the first time I'd ever seen comics on the stands three months before they should be there. Yeah. If you bought American comics over here, you got them three months late. So essentially, you got them on the cover date. If a cover, if a comic was dated June, you got it in June. Whereas in America, they got it three months before because they came over on ships yeah. as ballast, and then they hit the stores three months later. So here I was, surrounded by comics that I wouldn't get for three months. Three months is a long time when you're thirteen. Well, it still is, and it still is. I even remember what I bought on that trip because I've got Mike's Amazing World. Oh, and I had some birthday money. I know I bought Action Comics 571 because of the fantastic cover of Clark Kent as a Robot yeah. by Brian Bolland. I don't think the issue was any good, but I know I bought it. I bought Amazing Spider-Man issue 268 because it was Amazing Spider-Man, and it was three months before I would get it. I know I bought Batman issue 387 where he's fighting Black Mask. I know I bought Detective Comics issue 554 because I was reading Batman and Detective Comics. And I know I bought Fantastic Four 282, which was the John Burns Inwards to Infinity. I think there may have been a couple of others that I purchased as well. Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 106. And I also bought Marvel Tales issue 179, which reprinted Spidey Saves the Day, which was actually originally Amazing Spider-Man... Is that 30... 40? Amazing Spider-Man 40. I've just looked it up. I've just clicked on it. And that essentially ended my period of thinking around that time. Marvel Tales was the finest comic book ever written. I will come back to why Marvel Tales is the final comic ever. The final. The best comic ever. After that, after I had discovered this mecha. Do you know what happened on that trip? Go on. I got the car ready or nicked. <laughs> that was my introduction to Manchester. <laughs> the highs and the lows in one trip. One, comic book store. Second, car ready or stolen. <laughs> and there's a part of me now that you look back and go, yeah, that, that's pretty much Manchester. <laughs> Summed up for you in one single journey. So it's absolutely marvellous. Manchester was also home to the comic marts. And it was after this I would start going on my own, picking in back issues and, and stuff. Mm. You'd never been to any of these on your own, have you? No. You've only ever been with me. Mm-hmm. So you don't have any experience of going to Comic Marks on your own. And the thrill of the hunt. <laughs> so a lot of people. I've never wanted to hunt anything, though. Well, the comics, I mean. A lot of people have emailed us recently, quite a few have said, yeah. are you going to cover Starman? Are you going to do anything with Starman? James Robinson's Starman is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Is it Starman? Yeah. Yes, it is. So I'm not calling it the wrong thing like I did the other day when we were discussing it. What did you call I it? I can't there? remember. You picked me up on it. I didn't call it Starman. I called it something else. Starfire. Spaceman. Yeah. Spaceman! 
anything that isn't Starman. Anything that isn't Starman, yeah. And uh, my first thought on this, it's going to be, let's get your opinion on this as well. My first yeah. thought was, okay, the next Comet March, November 9th, and then Thought Bubbles on November 23rd. So if I go looking for back issues of Starman, I may be able to get a complete collection of those two different things. Right. So my first default setting was, how do I go back in the back issues? Right. If someone says to you, Starman's really good, get it. What's your default setting? Well, DC printed them in and hardback back omnibuses. <laughs> so your default setting is to look for the trade paperbacks? Yeah. It's not to go online and just download them for free? Or to get them from Comixology? Uh, that's that's if I know I won't be able to get them. Right. So it's always so it's, so both of us are relatively honest then. Yeah. In that our default setting is for me, it's to go hurrying through the back issue bins and find issues and build up a collection. Mm. And with you, it's oh, I'll just buy the trade paperbacks. Yeah. And as a last resort, both of us will go to Comicsology and or we will find them thanks to our friend Tor. Mm. Well, I, I only download things if it's something we're not bothered about. But you just fancy reading. Yeah, or if it's something that I know I won't be able to get. Like, say, we've got a digital copy of the Irredeemable... Iron Absolute, yeah. even. No, just it, the Mark Quaid's Irredeemable. Right. We've got, like, the Absolute version of the digital, which yeah. we know we won't really get. And we've got every issue of ROM. Yeah. Because you won't be able to buy it. Most of the time, if I download something illegally, I feel guilty about it. Do you? Yeah. I don't, especially not DC. Why? Because uh, they have no problem ruining the stories, so yeah, I can yeah. read them for free. Fair enough. Because essentially, they told me what happened for free. If I if I get something for free and I enjoy it, I always feel compelled to buy it. Well, some some people also have those at signs at the back of the digital comics that say, "Correct, so now this, go and buy, buy them." them yeah. yeah. Well, I don't tell me what to do. I don't know what I think about this. On the one hand. It has led to you being able to experience for free an awful lot of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily have seen. Yeah. And it does, and it completely removes this barrier between studios controlling what you want. See, I don't understand why Pacific Rim doesn't have the same DVD Blu-ray release date in America as it does over here. Same with Man of Steel. Oh, I know, yeah, I look like an idiot walking around Tesco. Yeah, it's the not DVD. out in Britain yet, but it is out in America. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like they don't seem to have realised the digital revolution has happened. We are not beholden to these people. Yeah. If we wanted an illegal copy of Pacific Rim, I'm pretty sure we could go and get one. But you actually want to buy it. Mm. But my point with that is, you want to give them your money, but <laughs> yeah. they don't want to release it for you. They don't want my money just yeah, yet. Yeah, they don't want your money just yet. And yet they don't seem to realise that you don't have to give them your money. Yeah. If you're unscrupulous, you could say, no, I'm just going to download it then. You don't want to release it, fine. See, that's where my downloading thing comes from. An awful lot of the animated movies from Warner Brothers are not available over here. Mm. They may be available on iTunes, but I've never looked on iTunes because I'm not a big fan of iTunes. In yeah. fact, I, I actively hate iTunes because <laughs> it does nothing but lock my computer whenever I try and do anything with it. Yeah. But So my, prob- my thinking with that is, right, if you don't want my money, I have no problem buying st- downloading illegally. Yeah. Now, it used to be there were websites available, legal websites, yeah. where we could go on playusa.com, wasn't it? And you could mm. buy US DVDs. Yeah. And they would send them to you. So you were buying the legal product. And I did that an awful lot, didn't I? I bought all the Veronica Marses legally. Yeah. I bought a lot of the Batman animated stuff. Some of it I bought in America. I know about the Flash. Yeah. A lot of stuff we got, we stocked up on when we went to America. Yeah. I remember the big 
big virgin store in yeah, downtown, downtown Disney. Disney. I bought Batman Beyond, yeah. uh, Return of the Joker, and Mask of the Phantasm and for $5 each. Every, every one of us split up and came back with stuff like, oh, can't get this back home. Let's yeah, we, just, we bought loads of stuff that wasn't available over here. Yeah. And Play USA used to do that. was outlawed. The government couldn't have that because we weren't paying UK tax on it. Right, Screw you, you bloody taxes. And Warner Brothers used to not region encode the DVDs, mm. so that made it much easier. Really now, I have no idea about region encoding Blu-rays because I don't buy a lot of Blu-rays. Well, if I buy something now, I tend to wait till it comes down to a fiver, don't I? Yeah. So I think uh, PlayStation Threes, which essentially are the main Blu-ray player, yeah, um, are region free. I know. I'm are they? Sure. Most of them are region free. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll have to look into that because, like I said, I don't have a lot of Blu-rays. So, but our default setting is to still look out and buy them. But mine is for the thrill of the back issue hunt. Yeah. Whereas you don't have any of that, no. do you? See, I find that quite interesting. I did like that neither of us were like, "Let's go get it illegally," mm. even though with Starman, let's be honest, we did <laughs> because I was like, "Oh, go on, man." Yeah. If we like it, I'll buy it. Mm. Although DC have canned the paperback reprints haven't they just hunt down the hardbacks yeah so you've just got to hunt down the hardbacks if you want there you go there's your thrill of the hunt there's my thrill of the hunt finding the hardcovers for cheap and not for an extortionate price alright fair enough I think we'll have a a trailer for somebody's show and after we come back we'll do another couple of emails Mm -hmm. and then I will tell you why Marvel Tales is the best comic ever my name is Michael Bailey and I am a terrible geek. I don't watch Doctor Who. I don't care for anime. I've never seen any of the Harry Potter films, much less read the books. I like Star Wars and Star Trek okay, but I've never really ventured far into the extended universes of either property. Hell, I have never even watched a single episode of The Walking Dead. So what do I like? Comic books. I've been reading and collecting comic books since 1987, and I've been a fan of superheroes for as long as I can remember. Some would consider this a hobby, but I prefer to look at it as what it truly is, a crippling addiction that I may never recover from. To deal with this borderline personality disorder, I started a podcast in 2007 called Use from the Long Lost. Every two weeks, or so, depending on real life, I pick a particular series, or issue, or character, or whatever to talk about, and then I... Well, well, I talk about them, because that's kind of the point of a podcast. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I have a guest, like my semi-regular co-host, The Irredeemable Shag, or my other semi-regular co-host, Thomas DJ, or with another friend from the podcasting world. The show is located at www.viewsfromalongbox.com from there you can find the iTunes link, the email address, as well as the backlog of episodes. Views from the Long Box. A podcast about comics, or a desperate cry for help? You decide. Every other Tuesday, or so, depending on real life, at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com And we're back. Wasn't that trailer excellent? It was. For a very excellent show. But it was excellent. Anyway. It was excellent, and the show is also excellent, and you should be listening to it if you're not already. Because apparently we're not. Because apparently we are. <laughs> we got me. <laughs> Our next email says emails, you say. It's from Mr. Damien Lee. <laughs> Morning, all. Okay, you have a policy aimed at my emails. Must be as my last couple have fell on the cutting room floor. Presumably for rambling. That, 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 
this is a common misconception. If we ever edited your emails, people, we didn't edit them for rambling. We edited them for time. I've stopped doing it. I got bored of it. Yeah. It was taking up too much time. Yeah, and, and it was a bitch to edit. Yeah, so thoroughly enjoyed your G.I. Joe episode. As your ad jingle said, they're always and forever action force for me and a generation of British boys. I'll keep it brief and ask a question then. Have you seen the DC animated adaptation of Flashpoint Paradox yet? It's gorgeous and does a great job of turning the MS into an entertaining movie. What's the MS? Miniseries. Yeah. Hey, I'm not stupid, <laughs> mate. <laughs> uh, I have seen it. Yeah. I thought it was very good, and I did enjoy it immensely, especially because it was lovely to have Kevin Conroy back as yeah. Batman for what I think is the last time. Is he? Is I he? think now that Flashpoint has kicked off the new Fifty Two wave of animated movies, he's going to be younger. He's he's out the door. Yeah. Fair enough. Which I think is, is sad. Is he John Batman? Jonathan Wayne Batman. No, he's Batman. Batman. Um, somebody Batman. else. Yeah, somebody else plays Thomas Wayne. Oh, what do you mean? I can't remember who. The other way around. Would have been, but it wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, so but have you seen it? I have not. Oh, I just don't see the point, really. It's good. It is good. I, I guess, but they only created, they only did it mm-hmm. just so that they can have new ones in the new Fifty Two continuity. I don't see why that's necessarily so. But that's what they've said that they're doing. Yeah, alright, fair enough. I did enjoy it. I thought it was quite good. I just have no interest in it, really. Fair enough. And related questions. Why do you think DC Dutchers does such an astounding job with its animated stuff, but can't get it together for live-action movies? Well, that implies that we don't like DC's live-action movies, doesn't it? And we've, we've never said anything against them before. No! Um, I, I think it's because <coughs> DC movies are straight from DC. Whereas the live-action movies, there are other companies involved, there are other writers involved. There are non-comic writers involved. Yes. And there are non-comic writers involved who don't understand comics. But there are non-comics writers involved in the animated movies. But non, but in the animated movies, there are non-comics writers who knows the comics. Right. All right, I get what you're I saying. I mean, like, Straczynski. So the guy who adapted Dark Knight Returns, for example, did a relatively faithful adaptation of the comic. Whereas yeah. when they did Dark Knight Rises, they thought, let's take this little bit from this comic, and this little bit from this comic, and this little bit from this comic, and we'll make it better. Yeah. It's kind of like Straczynski isn't a comic writer, but he knows his comics. Yeah. Only he doesn't do the films, so... No. I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't... I don't... The DC animated stuff has always been better than the Marvel animated stuff. Even going back to the Batman animated series of the 90s was better than the Spider-Man animated series of the 90s. Yeah. That's not to say I don't like the Spider-Man animated series of the 90s. I do. Mm-hmm. But I think the Batman animated series and the subsequent Superman, Justice League, Batman Beyond series were better. I can't quite put my finger on why. Yeah. But I just think they were, and I think they were better. The X-Men cartoon is quite melodramatic to me which I know Marvel comics are yeah whereas the DC ones they seem to play it straighter the Hulk TV show as well what the The, cartoon the cartoon and I also I might be remembering this wrong but I think there was a Ghost Rider cartoon as well was it not Ghost Rider was in an episode of something I'm not sure because I remember uh, Fox Kids when I say that Nan and Grandad's yeah. and they would show the cartoons in the morning which was really? fine because me and Nan would always wake up and go down have breakfast watch TV for a bit sometimes if she was in a good mood she'd let me watch crap Fox Kids uh, cartoons 
And so, well, Fox Kids used to show Spider-Man and X-Men back to back, didn't they? Yeah, that's when we used to watch it. I also remember um, there being Hulk and Ghost Rider, and I can't remember if they were the same thing or different things because I right. didn't see them frequently. That's why I watched it. Cause it was like, ooh, I've never seen this before. Right, I remember the Hulk having a cartoon. I don't remember Ghost Rider may have done. Mm. I don't know, we'll throw that open to the audience. He sells, so why not? Yeah, well, he did at the time, didn't he? Ghost Rider was big in the 90s, wasn't he? Yeah. Just like Malcolm in the Middle, it was big when I was little. Okay. Uh, that's a current pop song, because I'm, uh, like, down uh, with the kids, as evinced by the fact that I have a basketball cap on backwards. Oh, no, wait, that's you. Yeah. I'm wearing my Indiana Jones fedora. <laughs> that, if that, podcasting <laughs> has a name... That goes to show how down the kids I am. I like Malcolm in the Middle, but don't know that line. Just like Malcolm in the Middle, it was big when I was little. Big when I was little. Down with the kids, did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's Walter White now. It's so weird watching Malcolm in the Middle in hindsight. Is it? Yeah. Uh, you should watch the episode of Earwolf he's in. Because <laughs> he comes knocking and Jesse. What if Walter White was Malcolm's dad? <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite enough. Malcolm Paul! Oh, that's a television show. Whereas the live action stuff is being handled by Marvel directly, which is what you were saying, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this implies we think that all Marvel's live-action movies are terrible, which we don't. I've said before, Batman Begins is great. That's DC. Yes, that's what I meant. Uh, I don't think Green Lantern's as terrible as everyone says it is. Cue nerddom's heads exploding. Yeah. Um, And I thoroughly enjoyed Man of Steel. Sorry, but I I did. the, The current Marvel films... Are better than any of them. And they're also handled directly by Marvel. Yeah. They're like uh, like the Fantastic Four films or the Spider-Man films are not. They're not as good because they're not. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, right. So, but it's unlikely that Sony are going to relinquish the rights for mm. for Spider-Man, even if Marvel could do a better job of their own characters. Yeah, I think Marvel could could do a much better job, even if they have the same cast. Yeah, I think this this is the thing that's irritating me about the Spider-Man movies. We've never had a perfect Spider-Man movie. Every one of them seems to want to jump to Mary Jane or jump to Gwen. Mm. You've got 40, 30 odd issues though where Gwen wasn't even in it. Yeah, do that. Do it properly. Do a proper adaptation of it. Me, milk the high school stuff for all it's worth. That's what's big at the minute, isn't it? Well, CW shows. Yeah, you've got a Spider-Man there designed. For that audience, well, it's a high school show. I thought the Peter Parker bits in the new one were the best part. Yeah, I did. I thought the Peter Parker bits were the. the I mean, I like that he was quippy Spider Man. Yeah. But my god, that costume was crap. I still don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with the new one. Have you seen the costume in Spider Man 2? Yeah, it's the Sam Raimi one. It looks like it's going to be pretty damn good. Mm. So I'm willing to give them benefit of the doubt on that one. Anyway, yeah, uh, and the final question, what is your favourite DC animated movie, either as a film or on its own, or as an adaptation? I've got a real soft spot for Crisis on Two Earths, and my seven-year-old daughter loves Wonder Woman. Neither is as good as the sadly cancelled Young Young Justice series, though. Damn them for cancelling it. Short enough, action-packed enough, I hope so. I think Damien's been a little, uh, a little snarky there. It's alright, thank you very much, you're very welcome, Damien. We didn't edit that email, you may notice. So what's um, your favourite animated movie? My favourite animated movie, Mask of the Phantasm, hands down. I mean, it could be that it was the first one, but I think it's I think it's the best Batman film ever, yeah. bar none. It's certainly the best Batman theatrical movie, yeah. because it's the only one that got a theatrical release <laughs> that was animated, yeah. and it pisses all over Tim Burton's twosome and Joel Schumacher's twosome. 
Mm. Um, Return of the Joker's an honourable mention. Well, those have both been my two favourite ones. Under the Red Hood, honourable mention. And... I did thoroughly enjoy What's So Funny About Truth, Justice in the America. What was that called as an animated movie? Um, I forget the title. Superman of the Outsiders. No. No. The Elite. Superman vs. Yeah. the Elite. I thoroughly enjoyed that because it was, it was better than the comic. You were comparing that to the comic, though. Yes, that could be it. Which is why I didn't think New Frontier was as good. Even though it's good, yeah. it's not as good as the comic. So I think, that, I think ultimately mine are Mask of the Phantasm Return of the Joker. Well, those are my favourite ones, too. I'm... Um, I like them more now than I did when I first uh, when I first saw them. Mask of the Phantasm, especially, I always found that dull as a kid, to be honest. But because it's not a kid's film. That's no. that's the key thing with Mask of the Phantasm. I think that's why it flopped at the cinema. Because everyone's thinking, oh, everyone took their kids to watch a Batman movie. Yeah. And the producers took the opportunity that they were doing a theatrical movie to tell a much deeper film. Yeah. And it's it's a. I like Batman Begins. I think Mask of the Phantasm is a much better exploration of Batman's beginnings. Yeah. And uh, to me, it's it's not been bettered as a Batman movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, it does work better for an adult audience, which yeah. I think is why it bombed. And it does work better as you get older, mm. as an adult. Do you want to do another email before we move on to the next bit? Uh, yeah, sure. <clears throat> All right. Our next email moves on to the G.I. Joe section. And it says, knowing is half the battle, and the other 25% red, and the other 25% blue. And it's from Stephen Frey. Hello, Team Leyland. Apologies in advance if I spell your name wrong. Well, it doesn't really matter, Steve, because it's an audio medium. <laughs> so had you not brought our attention to it, you would have gotten away with that, if not for those pesky kids. I'm a new emailer, though not necessarily a new listener. Oh, we always like you new emailers. Welcome. Don't be a stranger. I started listening on the tail end of your Civil War review. And that's all I'll say about Civil War. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I love your reviews. While most people try to be negative or condescending, you two are not afraid to point out the positive aspects of comics. Although I would like Michael to give more of his own thoughts instead of just agreeing with Andrew. I don't know what show you've been listening to. (laughs) When was the last time you agreed with me about anything? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember, to be honest with you. Recently, your show focused on G.I. Joe, a property I hold near and dear to my heart. The G.I. Joe show seems to have gone down very well, doesn't it? Mm. A long time ago, me and my friend Jeff competed to see who had the most G.I. Joe figures. Most of the time, he won. In case you were wondering, the original G.I. Joe was just that. An army man named Joe, whose motto simply consisted of big muscles and big missiles. (laughs) Okay. It wasn't until the original animated series, G.I. Joe, a real American hero, where they started deviating, making every member appear different. Although some of the code names for the characters were pretty ridiculous, such as Cover Girl, Sci-Fi, Low Light and Deep Sea, Filling innuendo joke here. I like the sound of that cover girl. I like the idea of filling in cover girl, yeah. <laughs> Deep six cover girl. <laughs> Speaking of wacky names, Cobra was no better with characters like the twins Tomax and Zamot and the mad scientist Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> and in the G.I. Joe animated movie there is a Cobra Emperor named Serpentor. It's appropriate. Was he just fired from Hydra? <laughs> Cut off a limb, two more will take its place. Hail Hydra. The man in the Dracula collar and metal mask who wasn't Cobra Commander in issue 21 was probably Destro, an arms dealer who regularly aided Cobra. He was basically the star scream of G.I. Joe, trying regularly to usurp Cobra Commander with little to no success. Ninja the White is named Storm Shadow, and as you probably guessed, he does have a connection to Snake Eyes. Speaking of Snake Eyes, he and Scarlet do have a relationship in the comic book. In the TV, se- in the TV series, however, she has more of a relationship with the G.I. Joe Commander, Duke. 
I hope that helps clear things up a little. I'll try to write more often, though I'm sure you would like a shorter email. It was one email, people! Get over it! Keep up the good work, Stephen F. P.S. The subject title refers to the short moral that appeared after every G.I. Joe cartoon, which always ended with knowing is half the battle. As well as the fact that in the cartoon, the guns that both sides carried shoot red lasers and blue lasers. The G.I. Joe shot red lasers, Cobra shot blue lasers. Except in the latter half of the series where they switched, and the Joe shot blue and the Cobra shot red. Well, red is an evil colour. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for that, Steve. We, we do appreciate that. But, you know, the shot email, it was an email. It came in. Dan made some excellent points. I thought, you know. Can we move on? <laughs> This is going to bite us in the arse, Mother's Yes, yes, probably. Well, Civil War didn't bite us in the arse, but, you know. Back at the beginning of the show, I did say that Marvel Tales is the best comic ever. And I think I need to qualify that statement. There is a certain element of Marvel Tales that is the best comic ever. I have a couple of stories to tell about this. Okay. So, I'm, make yourself comfortable. Oh, I'm sat down. Okay, fair enough. Uh, with Marvel Sales issue 137, which was cover dated March of 1982, somebody in the Marvel offices, I believe it was Tom DeFalco, made the excellent idea of making Marvel Tales reprint The Amazing Spider-Man back from Amazing Fantasy 15 right through. Mm-hmm. So every month you got a, dub- a dose of Lee Ditko goodness. I started picking this book up with Marvel Tales issue 139, which printed Amazing Spider-Man number 2. And I bought it every single month, pretty much, from that point, with a couple of, of exceptions. I didn't buy it every single month as in how they came out, Yeah, which is a story we'll come to in but a minute. The reason I think that Spider-Man is ultimately my favourite character is because... These were starting printing in 82 when I was 10. The golden age of everything is 10. Okay. By all accounts. So I was reading these classic Lee Ditko stories as kids of the 60s read them. Yeah. I was reading them on a monthly basis, waiting for each issue month by month to come out. There was no big fat omnibus with every single issue in. Mm. There was no essentials where I could just pick up and read all 20 issues in one go. So I was getting this dose of Lee Ditko magnificence every week. A lot of these I hadn't read before. I'd certainly never read any of them in colour. I may have read some of them in the British UK reprint pocket books. And Grandad Peter, who my mum let married, had boxes of comics which had Spider-Man British reprints in the boxes. And he had some of the Lee Ditko ones. It was an excellent run of comics. They weren't recoloured, but they were coloured better than they were in the original. The newsprint was better than it was in the original. It was an exceptionally good run that lasted until Marvel Tales 190 with Amazing Spider-Man 50. The next issue that came out was a double-sized, triple-sized reprint of the drug issues where Harry Osborn overdoses, which I was grossly disappointed in. Because I was like, where's Amazing Spider-Man 51? It's not that I don't like the drug issues, I do, but there's like 40-odd issues missing. What's going on? Did they edit um, 190 so that he he never becomes Spider-Man again? (laughs) No. That's it, it's the end. Yeah, amazing. Marvel Tales, sorry, issue 192 was a double-sized issue reprinting the night Gwen Stacy died. Yeah. And then you were like, where's Amazing Spider-Man 51? And then they leapt into Clermont Byrne reprints, which I, I kind of stopped reading because... I had them all. And then Marvel Tales became 
a themed reprint book. Mike Zek did a bunch of new covers while they reprinted all the Punisher stories, because the Punisher was big in the 90s. And then Todd McFarlane did a bunch of covers as they reprinted a bunch of X-Men stories, because the X-Men were big in the 90s, and I kind of drifted away from Marvel Tales at that point. The series meandered on, only being cancelled with issue 291, but I never went back to it, because it never quite captured the glory days of the Lee Ditko reprint. I mentioned that Odyssey 7, I bought Marvel Tales issue 179. I also bought Marvel Tales issue 178, reprinting the unmasking of Peter Parker and us discovering who the Green Goblin was, both at the same time, on June the 15th, 1985, as part of my birthday. But Marvel Tales holds a special place in my heart for a number of reasons. One, we were in Liverpool once. Right. Uh, I don't remember the details. I don't remember why or the what falls or whatever. We being me, me nan, and granddad. Right, right. We were in Liverpool. We found a shop just purely by chance. My granddad wanted a newspaper. Yeah. We went into this news agent. I will never forget this. Mm. He had a rack of comics. He had an entire wall of American comics. Yeah. Three shelves of American comics. Mm. Again. Choirs of Angels <laughs> singing. Ah! Comics at this time were 25 pence an issue. Right. My granddad, seeing my face, knowing that I love this stuff, said, Here's a pound. Mm. Pound note. Not a pound coin. A pound note. A pound note. Right. You can have four. Okay, <laughs> says I. All four of the comics that I picked were issues of Marvel Tales. They were issue 146, which reprinted the first appearance of Electro, issue 151, which reprinted the first appearance of Mysterio, issue 150, that reprinted the first annual, The Sinister Six, and issue 145, which reprinted The Living Brain. This was especially good, because I had the two issues reprinting The Return of Dr. Octopus and Unmasked by Dr. Octopus. I had the earlier ones, the first appearance of Sandman, the first appearance of the Lizard and the Vulture. I, th I think at that point I was still missing the first appearance of Dr. Octopus, but I would pick it up later on. If you are paying attention, mm -hmm. you will note that those four comics, 145, 146, 149, uh, 150, sorry, and 151, Marvel Tales 150 is double-sized because it reprinted Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1, The Sinister Six. Right. What's uh, wrong with that I, picture? I remember this story. Okay. Michael knows this story. <laughs> if you do not know this story, you yeah. may be sat there going, right, well, that would be £1.25, wouldn't it? I knew this. <laughs> I knew that these four comics totaled £1.25. Mm. In my head... I quickly weighed up the pros and cons of this. I could yeah. take three comics, including Marvel Tales 150, because that one was non-negotiable. Right. That reprint of the Sinister Six was coming home with me, come hell or high water. <laughs> I weighed up the pros and cons. I could give him three issues, come clean, this is a double-sized issue, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Or I could hand over four comics <laughs> with the Sinister Six tucked away as the third comic in the batch of four. Give it to me, Grandad, and say, I want these four. And if I was caught, I would say, oh, I just picked four, I didn't look at the price. Yeah. And I would either, I weighed this up in my 10-year-old my brain, maybe 11-year-old at that point. Mm. I weighed this up. He would either say, oh, go on, I'll pay an extra 25p for you, or he would say, put one back. Yeah. This was a risk 
I considered worth taking. <laughs> I handed over the four comics to my granddad. Right. I said, these are the four I want. My granddad had already paid for his newspaper, because he'd give me the pound note, remember. I handed him the pound note and the comics. Mm-hmm. He walked up to the guy and said, he's picked these four. Stop. You could hear the tick, tick, tick of the clock. The guy could take them off the granddad. <laughs> and were this nowadays with barcodes, that's what would happen. Yeah. This wasn't nowadays. There were no barcodes. There was no scanning of comics. Tick. 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 My granddad held up the comics. These are the four he wants. Tick. 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 The guy didn't even take them off him. The guy just said, okay, fair enough. Took the pound. I may have let out an audible sigh of relief. Tick. 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 Do you want a bag with them? Time. Stopped. I'd almost got away with it. If he took the comics off my granddad to put them in a bag, he may feel that the weight was more than four comics should be. If he took the comics off my granddad and put them in a bag, he may see Marvel Tales 150 has a higher price point. Tick. 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 I held my breath. Granddad said... No, you're all right. He'll be reading them in a minute. I may have started sweating at that point. I took my comics and we rushed out of that shop. My granddad probably thought this was because I was excited. Yeah. And that is how Marvel Tales turned me to crime. Because technically I didn't steal it. You just didn't pay full price. But I didn't pay full price for it. We never went back to that shop. Hmm. To this day, I don't know where it is. Was it one of those where whenever you go back, you can't find it? Yeah, I, I doubt it'll be even there now. I don't yeah. know where it was. I don't know what we were doing in Liverpool. I don't know why we were there. I don't think my granddad remembered where it was, because he would have took me back. Because you know yeah. what he was like? Once I found a comic book store, he took me back there. Mm. There was the one in Blackpool, the second-hand comic book store in Blackpool around the back of St. John's Market. Every time we went to Blackpool, he took me there. Yeah. So I could see what comics they had. There was the one in St. Helens, round the back of the YMCA, that had a, a rack of new comics. And they got American comics every month. Yeah. And every month he would take me there for my stash. So, if he remembered where it was, I'm pretty sure he took me back. But we never went back there. Mm. But that is why Marvel Comics, Marvel Tales is the best comic ever. Because it created... You stole it. Not because I stole it, mm-hmm. but because... There was the anticipation every week I was buying Lee Ditko Spider-Man as they bought it in the 60s. Yeah. That was exciting. It's why Spider-Man is probably my favourite character, just because of that. Those 38 reprint issues, or 50, because they ended up going through to issue 50. Mm. It's why whoever made the stupid decision to stop reprinting them at issue 50 needs slapping about the face with a halibut. Because this infuriated me. Yeah. I was like, I wanted to read issue 51, I wanted to know what happened next. It doesn't matter that I may have read them. Mm. I wanted to carry on buying it as kids had in the 60s. I don't have those issues of Marvel Tales anymore. Mm. When your mum bought me the Omnibus, which is my Bible as far as comics are concerned, people always say, what would you rescue from your house if there's a fire? My answer is always the kids, (laughs) the wife. But if you can rescue a material item... It's that amazing Spider-Man omnibus. Screw the kids and the wife. Oh, you know that. That's not true. (laughs) But I sold them all. 
and I hope they went to a happy home because I don't really see the point of having a lot of stuff twice, especially when space is at a premium. Yeah. But there is always a small part in my heart devoted to Marvel Tales. Marvel Tales is also notable for being the first time that amazing Spider-Man issue 29, Never Step on a Scorpion, was reprinted. Mm. And the story goes that after the publication of Amazing Spider-Man 29, they lost the proofs for that issue. Yeah. So it was never reprinted between its first publication in 1960-whatever, 64, 65-whatever, and 1984, when it was reprinted in Marvel Tales. And in the letters page of this issue, it says on the cover, reprinting for the first time ever, Amazing Spider-Man issue 29. In the British reprints, they skipped over that issue. Yeah. Because they couldn't reprint it. So that was the first time Amazing Spider-Man 29 was printed. The letters page details what they had to do to do this. And we are forever grateful for whoever this was, because it means they can now reprint Mm. Amazing Spider-Man 29. But what they had to do was shred... No. They had to shred an original issue of Amazing Spider-Man 29. Yeah. They had to bleed all the colour from it using some ink thing that they had to dip each page into and then they scanned every page black and white so they had black and white proofs of it because back then you would recolour it whenever it was reprinted because the original art was not stored in colour so for us to now have a constant reprint of Amazing Spider-Man 29 an issue of Amazing Spider-Man 29 had to be destroyed Mm. there's a part of me that's very sad about that but there's a part of me that thinks generations of Spider-Man readers, generations of fans of Lee and Ditko, mm. generations of comic book historians got something more out of that than having one more issue of Amazing Spider-Man 29. Ends justify the means. Yes, but the idea of destroying a Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Spider-Man comic still makes me shiver. They didn't destroy it, just mutilated it. It's that, that comic was destroyed, it says in the letters page of that issue. Yeah. By the time they were finished doing what they had to do with it, that comic was destroyed. Mm. But the trade-off for that was they could now reprint that issue. Yeah. And that is why Marvel Tales is the most important comic book ever told. In my humble opinion. Uh, should we take another break? We'll plug somebody else's show. Okay. And then we will come back with my finds, my archaeological finds. We're back in a minute. The Phantom Zone, home of Krypton's worst criminals. But what would happen if they escaped and found themselves on a planet whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave them fantastic superpowers? Especially when they also put Superman in the Phantom Zone in the process. Find out starting October 9th when I, Charlie Niemeyer, cover all four issues of the Phantom Zone miniseries in a special crossover between my two shows, Superman of the Bronze Age and Charlie's Geekcast. It's Kryptonian criminals versus the world's greatest superheroes, while Superman tries to get back to Earth. All this October at supermanofthebronzeage.com, charliesgeekcast.com, and supermanpodcastnetwork.com. back mm-hmm. that was a good trailer for a yeah, great it show it was could i sound any more sincere <laughs> that was a great trailer for a great show you're listening to hey kids comic wkrap in cincinnati which was the mad magazine spoof of yeah, that show. yeah email patrick kakuran has emailed us should we do an email before we, we move on yes 
Foam Roller Answer and G.I. Joe Cobra. The G.I. Joe show was very popular. Yeah, it was. Somebody should do a G.I. Joe podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's one out there. Probably. Yeah. Patrick Kukorin. Hello, fellas. Hello, Patrick. First, let me say, congratulations on removing the mighty, mighty albatross around your collective necks in the form of G.I. Joe. Must have felt wonderful to remove that with your last podcast on the real American heroes. It was a banner episode. And the Logan's Run reference caused me to stop my own run and stride because I was laughing like a madman. The young couple walking their dog in the street across from me looked horrified and hurried to their face because I stopped so abruptly in the street and bent forward, hands on my knees, barking with laughter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate that. He did look like Box from Logan's Run, didn't he? Yeah. Come and buy green beans! What is it? What does he say? I completely forgot what he said. He's very mad, though. Yeah, That yeah. Box robot. I do like him. Is he the one in the ice cave? Yes, he's the one in the ice cave who clunks around. Yeah. Oh, welcome to... And he tries to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't he just run around him? Yes, because yeah. he's a crap robot, <laughs> quite frankly. But he was voiced by Roscoe, Roscoe Lee Brown, who is the awesome. Uh, Patrick then tells me about foam rolling, which I don't think will be very interesting to listeners of the podcast, but I appreciated it. It increases blood flow and releases muscle tightness, so thank you very much. Uh, G.I. Joe, he suggests G.I. Joe Cobra by Christos Gage, if we want to read any more. I was, I was quite tempted to read some more G.I. Joe and he sends us some public service announcements for announcements <laughs> public service announcements Miss Manny Penny Begora faith in Begora faith in Begora faith in give me some more <laughs> should we have a look at these PSAs alright alright let's have a look at these PSAs public service announcement followed me home the other day don't get strange as your address let's uh, let's pump up the volume on the laptop Spider-Man is amazing, friends. All he wanted to bring you was trouble. Remember, never tell anyone you're home alone, and never give anyone your address. It would have been much funnier though if said all he wanted to do was butt rape you. You were a prize. <laughs> Reach down deep now. Oh dear me, that was awesome. Should we have a look at the second one? Uh, okay, let's have a look at the second have one. Have your eyes closed. Most of the time I wear contact lenses because I hate wearing specs. But you cannot do sport wearing specs. It's not possible. If it's just irritating. Let's have a look at the third one. It's better to have a tweet. Don't give 
give your uh, details to strangers, but it's okay for these army people to stroll up and I was, to kids. I was just going to make that same point. Well, G.I. Joe have got nothing better to do than drive the jeeps onto a baseball quad <laughs> and then say, hey, kid, why can't you catch? Because you've just drove your jeep in front of me. Get your eyes tested. <laughs> Cobra's day off. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Do you know, we never had anything like that, did we? We had we had Charlie Says. Yeah. And we had the Green Cross Code Man, but we, we didn't have anything quite like that. Maybe that was our loss. <laughs> Who can say? Not much going on today. I know, I'll just go yeah. <laughs> Cobra's not launched any serious terrorist attack today. I think I'll just drive around the neighbourhood and see if I can help some kids out by telling them to have their eyes tested or make sure they get their toenails clipped or something. Hey kids, I'll give you an address to uh, a stranger. But I've got some rockets in my car if you want to come in and have a look. Hey kids, get your hair cut. <laughs> they were re- that was really good. I like that. That was funny. Email. We have an email from Tom Panarese. Tom Panarese says, You suck. What? You said you like these kind of emails. We love them. <laughs> we love being told we suck. Yeah, Thank you very much, Tom. They're, they're, that is the, that's the best email of the week. Yeah. Email of the week goes to Tom Panneries with you suck. Well, you, you suck too. You start doing those. Yeah, email of the week. <laughs> uh, our next email is Chris Keith. Greetings, Mighty Lesland. It's all about the Cosmic Spider-Man again. I listened, as always, to the recent episode, and the suggestions by Dan for email sounded like a nice challenge, so I'll give it a go. Andy, you mentioned a question regarding Affleck on Batman. Instead of beating that horse to death... To death? Instead of beating that horse to death... I'm for it, by the way, says Chris. I thought that I would instead focus on the latest trend of crucifying actors before filming even begins. It's not a new trend, and I'm sure that had the internet existed in 1976 when casting was announced for Superman, Chris Who would have been the subject line of every post. Fans are a superstitious and cowardly lot, and as evidenced by these comments, most of them stopped watching Affleck's work after Gili, which came out ten years ago. He's improved, and I would go so far as to say that The Town is an excellent film. I don't feel the need to start a campaign to have actors banned from acting. If I did that, I would have to picket Fast and Furious movies as an occupation. I like the Fast and the Furious movie. To be honest with you. I saw the first one on video. The first one? Oh, that's heartbreaking! That first Fast and the Furious movie? It's gut wrenching! When he flipped the car over at the end. Not just any car! (laughs) He destroys a 1970 Dodge Charger! That is the most heartrending moment of any film I've seen recently. He doesn't just crash like a Peugeot or some crappy one of those things that bounces up and down like a high and die, one of those stupid pimp mobiles that they bounce. No! He crashes no they're not. He crashes his nineteen seventy Dodge Charger. Yeah. Oh, I wept. I wept openly as that scene. No, not the charger! Vin Diesel, but not the if you kill Vin Diesel but don't ruin the charger if you were gonna do that give it to me I think I got a little bit excited about the end of the Fast and the Furious though, didn't I? for different reasons other people <laughs> other people like that Michelle Rodriguez she's hot that, that other chick who was in Chuck whose name I've forgotten she's in Dallas as well she's a bit of a alright and I'm sitting there going my god that Dodge charge is gorgeous nothing better happened to it <laughs> Anyway, uh, on to the book, says Chris. Following your questions, I would like to take Peter's question to Aunt May and consider it. What would you do if you had godlike powers? 
Well, I would go on television and say, as your new ruler, <laughs> as ruler of the world, you can put aside your petty differences. I am here to make things right. I'll be in Disneyland <laughs> if you want me. Will I do anything, though? Keep it secret? You can just mess with people that way? Well, that's what Chris says that, uh, that Peter Parker did. He whines constantly. Um, instead of actually doing anything about it. What does he do with godlike powers? He fights paint post Pete. <laughs> Paste pot Pete. Which is a valid point. Yeah. I yeah. think. That, that's and, what I'd do. And Graviton as well. Oh, and Graviton. Who? I mean, Graviton. Don't forget that he fought Graviton. I know, yeah. It's not like he showed up in anything after No, that. it's not like Graviton's gone on to be a major star of film or television, is it? I know, yeah. We mocked him mercilessly. <laughs> and then he shows up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And you and I are both. Graviton? They've, they've, they're putting Graviton on television? I mean, at least he didn't have the, the cape and the mask. And he stuff. wasn't Graviton. No cape style. Yeah. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. No. As far as the books themselves continues, Chris, they were fun. The Hulk boot was the high point, but that was mainly because I got to see McFarlane's Hulk again. Otherwise, it was a good idea. Cosmic powers with an okay follow-through. I guess they wanted a brief look at Peter's miracle map without the massive death count in London and the flying sex scene. I got Pace Pop Pete. <laughs> Speaking of flying sex scenes, okay, I had occasion to reread Dark Knight Strikes again this week because right. I'd heard it mentioned quite a lot recently on Fatman on Batman. Grant Morrison said, "Oh, it's great! It's no Dark Knight Returns, but the man was older. You can't expect him to do the same thing." And then a couple of other people had, had mentioned it as well, so I thought, "Oh, go on! I've not read this since I bought it. I'll read it again." Mm. I'm still not sure what I've read. <laughs> it's like. It's more bitingly satirical than Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Or that could just be that I am now older and get more of the political subtext. And there is some genuinely funny political satire. But the artwork varies from fantastic to utter in the same panel. Yeah. And I was left having read the third issue with this idea that what the hell was... So Robin is the bad guy, Dick Grayson. Yeah. And you can cut his head off, but he can still talk. And it was, I was just ridiculous. It get, oh, it gets even better in All Star, though. Yeah, well, that I is... was going to read that next. <laughs> I'm going to reread that because yeah. uh, I've, I've come to the conclusion Frank Miller is insane. Yeah, allegedly. And the only way Dark Knight Strikes Again works is if you read it as the work of an insane man, <laughs> allegedly. I, just so we don't get sued. I, I think it's better than D Dark Knight Returns. It's not better. I think it's funnier. It's often unintentionally funny. Yeah. And there's a six-page sex scene between Superman and Wonder Woman that ends with her going, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant again. Yeah. And you're like, bloody hell, that is some super sperm, isn't it? <laughs> and it's, it's just a ridiculous... At, at least it's ridiculous not... Oh, you're all walking sperm banks. Yeah, it's not, you know. I need to read Absolute Batman and Robin again. Not Absolute, I'll start. To see if it is as, as insane as Dark Knight Strikes again. I remember it being pretty insane. That That's just mad. Yeah. I can't decide whether I loved it or loathed it. I really liked it. Did you? Because yeah. it's just mad. Well, yeah. Batman's insane in it. Batman was insane in, in all of it, though, really. Yeah, it's, it's... No, I couldn't decide on it. I couldn't decide on it at all. I don't think it's good, but I don't think it's god-awful, because whilst I was reading it, I was enjoying immersing myself in the insanity of it all. Yeah. But it doesn't hold up as a story. It's frequently crap, art-wise. 
it's just no it's uh, no I don't I don't know what I think of it I'd hate to have to review it critically because <laughs> I'd be like I don't know what to say so we're probably never going to cover Dark Knight Strikes again mm. alright yeah we are we'll do it now I don't know what to say <laughs> There you go. Yeah, there you go. There's a review. Uh, Chris's email concludes, I just downloaded G.I. Joe, so I'll be enthusiastically listening to this one tomorrow and hear your take on a real American hero. There's that American thing again. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for continued excellent, Chris Keith. Doctor Who update. Alas, I am up to the name of the Doctor. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. He's got to the end. Mm -hmm. It's the end, my friend. The end. So I have a choice. A, I can sit and wait for the 50th special, or B, I can rewatch Eccleston through Smith again now that I'm completely hooked, or C, I can watch the classic episodes and rewatch. Option C it is. Yeah, go and watch some old ones. Uh, I heartily recommend Talons of Wang Chiang to kick you off with, because that's awesome. Mm. Listen to Who True Freaks and listen to the ones that they're picking. They're always good. Although, to be honest, I couldn't wait for the 50th anniversary and I saw that episode either, but I'm kind of not that bothered anymore. Why? Well, I'm more excited. Because when you watch it, you get really excited. Well, we've had to you wait watch it now, but quite a while. Wait, you just settle down. Do you know what I'm going to say to you? Right. Three years <laughs> from when the Empire Strikes Back finished. Three years! <laughs> well, look, let's talk shelf life here, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris concludes with, I now understand all your references to Eccleston and any other Doctor mentions, so bonus for me, because we do them quite a lot, don't we? Lots of planets we, have a north. Lots of planets have a north was a favourite for a while, and um, what was the other one was our favourite for a while? I was fantastic, and so were you, and, and all of that stuff. So we do slide a lot of Doctor Who references in. Yeah. So I'm glad that somebody's getting them. <laughs> <laughs> At least one person. Um, look, we're going to come clean now. There's tons of Superman the movie references. Yeah. If you go back through previous episodes, Mike Bailey always gets them. So yeah. That's always nice. There's tons of Smiths references. Yeah. Which no one's ever picked up on. And I am always sliding Firefly and Buffy references in, which no one's ever seems to have mentioned. Well, people did, but that was a complaint that the opening credits lasted too long. Shut up! (laughs) I like those opening credits. I was outvoted by our listening audience, so, you know, what can you do? All right, the next section of the show, which is very rambling and freeform tonight. I don't know how this is going to turn out. This could end up being, we could be flat on our face. Mm -hmm. People may think this is the worst episode ever. Mm-hmm. that we've done for 150 but uh, you know you've got to try different things yeah. every now and again uh, I had occasion to uh, I've said that twice this episode I don't know why I don't even know where it's come <laughs> from anyway just heard it somewhere. very recently as in this past weekend I had to decorate the bedroom a little bit there's some damp around the window so I had to get the damp proof out and do all of that and go the boring and, stuff and uh, to do this I had to do some painting on the roof so I had to move the bed Mm-hmm. Underneath the bed, I came across a literal stack of books, comic and film related in most respects. I'm not going to say that I'd forgot that I had them, yeah, but I kind of forgot that I had them. So I've been looking through them. <laughs> I've been waiting for these for years. And they were, they were actually quite cool. I've, they're mostly Christmas presents. Not a lot of them are off your mum. One or two of them are off your mum. But mostly these were Christmas presents off my mother-in-law. Because she knows I likes comics. And Angela normally says, get him that. Get him that. And she normally does. So these books, largely hardcover special editions of some description. The first one was the DC Comics Year by Year, a visual chronicle. Yeah, which I have the Marvel one. Do you have the Marvel one of these? Yeah, which is weird, because I prefer DC and you prefer Marvel. And I prefer Marvel, yeah. But this is actually quite a nice little book. It's got a great cover. Is that Adam Hughes? Uh, Ryan Souk. Is it Ryan Souk? It's an absolutely fantastic cover. It's mostly penciled. It says it comes with two art prints, 
What are the art prints, Michael? Look it's Ryan one. Sook by Bat one. doing a Batman. One. No, it's, it's Batman Wonder Woman Superman. Oh, right. So and it's a, a lovely penciled Ryan Sook Batman. Batman. And, and then it's the cover in colour by Ryan Sook. Yeah, so Michael is absolutely correct. The two absolutely gorgeous prints. So I was quite yeah. impressed with, the, with them. I have to slide them back in. The, the book, as it says on the cover, is a year-by-year chronological look at DC from 1935-36 all the way up to whenever the hell this book was published. Oh, there's Jim Sterling's DC Comics Presents. They're pretty cool. All the way up to... What year was this published, Michael? No idea. Batman 700 had just come out, so 2010 is the last year in the book. So good, so it ends before the new 52. Yeah. So in many ways, it's uh, it's a perfect book, because it ends at just the right place. Yeah. That was one of the best things about it. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that pithy? Well, it, it was alright. Uh, okay. One of the best things about it is the, the double-page spreads of pieces of art, but much bigger than they usually are. Like yeah, because it's a big hardcover book. Yeah. So that that was pretty excellent. Just put on the floor. Yeah, yeah, just put them on the floor. I'll, I'll take them upstairs. Because Angela very kindly made space on her shoe shelf for me. Shoe I don't know why a woman needs an entire <laughs> shelf full of shoes. This one seems a bit sticky. I don't know why. The spider webs. Yeah. What? I'm, I'm being asked to point out that the Converse and boots are not girly high heels because Angela doesn't do high heels. The next one is Spider-Man the Icon by Steve Saffle, which is... This is essentially a, a life history of Spider-Man, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's very good, I thought. It's got lots of great artwork in. The original cover for Amazing Fantasy 15, which they recently used as the cover of Amazing Spider-Man 700, wasn't it? Yeah. One of the reprints. And it's an absolutely fantastic overview of Spider-Man in comics and merchandise. Spider-Man Comics Weekly. There's the British Spider-Man Comics Weekly, the number six from March 24th, 1973, reprinting the first appearance of uh, the Green Goblin. This is great. It's got rock reflections of a superhero, which is good. I don't care what you're laughing at. No, I'm just laughing because I remember when you made me hunt it down on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I thought Michael Bailey sent me that, didn't he? Yeah, because I couldn't find it. Because you couldn't find it. Yeah, Mike Bailey sent me a copy of that. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate it. Some absolutely gorgeous artwork. Pre-production artwork from Spider-Man's Amazing Friends with sketches. That's an absolutely fantastic piece of work by John Romita Jr. of Spider-Man Fighting the Hobgoblin. Loads of stuff about Amazing Friends in it. Which is funny, Which is no one likes it. Everybody likes Spider-Man and his amazing friends. If you don't like Spider-Man and his amazing friends, then you have given up on life. He only has two amazing friends, and they're anything but amazing. One of them's fa- got fire powers, the other one's got ice powers. Surely that's a hindrance when they're together. <laughs> Do you know I hadn't considered that, to be honest with you, but, uh, you know, there's a, a big page on the 60s cartoon series, which was my introduction to the ever-amazing Spider-Man, because he does whatever a spider can. Which is just a bunch of memes now. Yeah, bloody memes. (laughs) Can't be done with them, to be honest. Uh, There's an absolutely glorious full-colour poster of Mary Jane wearing nothing but a bikini. Was that one of the Marvel swimsuit editions? Stood in front of a waterfall. One of the few times I've ever seen Mary Jane actually look like a model, Mm. because Joe Jusco can draw good-looking women. Whereas Eric Larson and Todd McFarlane draw people with big hair. There's lots of work, as you may expect. Lots of work, lots of pages about the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Oh, that's good. Full page shot of Doctor Octopus holding Spider-Man, Murray Jane in a wedding dress. Well, 
whatever her name is, Kirsten Dunst in a wedding dress. She wasn't Murray Jane. That's a good book. I was quite happy that I found that. I think that was a present off for uh, your mum. Yes. But uh, that's great. I really love that. We've got a number of these Dor- Darling Kingsley books. These were all presents off Mama, the mother-in-law, I think. I've got a Batman one, which pretends to be uh, everything you ever wanted to know about Batman but were afraid to ask. Some good artwork in it, but, you know. But we're afraid to ask. Yeah. Why? He'd beat you. For some reason, I've got an Ultimate X-Men one. An Ultimate X-Men? Yeah, it says Ultimate X-Men. It's not the Ultimate X-Men. It's the the history of the X-Men. But it seems a bit odd that I would have an X-Men one, seeing as, you know, somebody must have bought him. I appreciated them buying him. And we have a Spider-Man one. That comes as no surprise. (laughs) It's not really that different from the icon it's more a chronological look at each character isn't it there's a page about the sandman a page about the costumes there doesn't seem to be as much in this about the movies well this was early oh the merchandise it doesn't predate the movies does it these are pretty old right okay alright I thought it may uh, it's got spider girl in it which is nice maybe you're right maybe this predates the movies it's got ultimate spider man in it so it's early 2000s. Yeah, so... Alright, okay, maybe that does predate the movie. It's got a great cover by uh, John Romita Sr. And then the other Darling Kingsley is Star Wars A Year by Year Chronicle, which is very similar to the uh, the, the DC Comics one, obviously, because they're essentially the same book, except the DC Comics one comes in a slipcase, and the uh, this Star Wars one doesn't... It's a good one, this, 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 um, this Star Wars one, though, mm. because... You do go through it, but I remember that. I remember that because I I grew up with Star Wars. Yeah. So they were nice. The big find again. I'd not forgotten that I had them, but I didn't remember that I had them. I don't know. Long time Star Wars fans will remember that they released two huge mammoth tomes. Huge and mammoth meaning the same thing. So I just essentially saying huge mammoth is redundant. Called Chronicles. There's a Star Wars Chronicles, and there's a Star Wars Chronicles, the prequels. Both of these came from Costco. I'm not yeah. getting them out, because they're hard work. I remember you getting the original one, mm. and it, you keeping it in the box it came in It came years, in the box it came in. And you never it. let me look at it. Did it I was always a rarity when you finally did. So you sometimes gave in, and you always looked at it with me. Well, for ages, these were like holy grails. I don't so much know about the prequels one. But to find that in Costco, the Star Wars Chronicles, and because it was in Costco, it was like 50% off. Yeah. And this was retailing for what? Was it 80 quid? Mm. Which was a lot of money. So it was one of those things I never thought I would actually have these. It is a gorgeous book. The prequels one isn't as good, because a lot of the prequel stuff was obviously done on computer. But these, these are, are great books, even if that cover stood. I'll have to glue that down has come off. I don't want to get it. It's in... A slip case that is... Is that a TIE Fighter window or something? The wing. It's by Deborah Fine and Aeon Inc. And it's an absolutely gorgeous book. So I'm glad I found them again. Because I'd hate to have spent all that money and never find them again. My favourites were, though... The complete making of Indiana Jones. Which you don't keep with your complete making of Star Wars. Well, I'm going to now that I've refound it. It's going upstairs with my Star Wars and uh, Empire Strikes Back book. It comes with a free poster... Of uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So none of the good ones. No, it's an awesome poster because it's Drew Suzanne. Yeah, yeah. But so it's a pretty awesome poster. I was looking through this the other day. I know it's not comic related, but there is something comic related in it. 
This the Indiana Jones comics. Yes, the Indiana Jones <laughs> comics. Um, obviously, the the first section, which is the Raiders of the Lost Ark bit, is the most interesting section of the book because it it details the genesis of the project and where the name came from and the original script. But for comics fans, pages it doesn't have page numbers. Um, it has. Yeah, modern comics. It has four gorgeous reprints of Jim Steranko's pre-production posters for Raiders of the Lost Ark for key moments of the film. There's the scene where he confronts the snake, there's the scene where he's out in the desert, there's the scene where he's fighting the Nazi under the um, the plane that's turning around, and the scene where he jumps on the truck. And they're absolutely fantastic, the Jim Steranko pieces of work, aren't they? I wouldn't mind having them as prints, because they are magnificent. But for like long-term Indiana Jones fans, this is great because you've even got a page details to Tom Selleck yeah. and pictures of Tom Selleck auditioning. Tom Selleck got the part, mm. and the picture here is him auditioning with Sean Young. Now I don't know if she would have been Marion if Tom Selleck had got the part, because there's pictures of Karen Allen auditioning with Tim Matson, who obviously I don't think was ever up for the role of Indiana Jones before Harrison Ford came along and they just gave it to Harrison so the Rays of the Lost Ark stuff is by far the most interesting bit but it's all it's a great book, it's very similar to the making of Star Wars Empire Return of the Jedi that are currently available and uh, I quite I quite liked finding that and that can go on my bookshelf next to me Star Wars books there's these books called The Vault and I've got three of these, I've got the Batman Vault the Spider-Man vault and the Star Wars vault and you can see the progress of how cheap these books have become as you go along. The Star Wars vault has a lovely slip case and then you open the actual book itself and inside it's got a flap with two CDs in it. Well, um, the slip case came later. Did it? The whole slip case thing, yeah. Right. The two, still have them? The two CDs has got um, audio from the original Star Tours and interviews with the cast and the first trailer don't be afraid it's just a laser sword uh, but the best thing about this is it is full it is chock full of free stick out bits uh, uh, by stick out bits yeah, yeah it's got it, um, invitations to Lucasfilm's premieres, it's pieces got of pieces of artwork, it's got posters that you could actually stick up if you wanted um, to. Iron-ons. Iron-on transfers. Yeah. It's got the first Howard Chaykin poster advertising Star Wars number one, which I've just pulled out there and can't get back in. It's got, yeah, the iron-on transfers. It's got stickers. And more than anything... With the other ones, this was a magnificent trawl down memory lane when I was looking at it the other day. If you are of a certain age, there's a transfer for a t-shirt and you grew up with Star Wars. You are watching this, remembering this. I remember those. I had that one. The transfer that they give away for you to iron onto a t-shirt is the one that's Darth Vader's head. And right in front of it, the X-Wings are fighting the... um, the TIE Fighters. There was one for Darth Vader Lives. There was one that was just the Hildebrandt movie poster. The one I had was just the still of C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. And they were iron-on transfers. And there's... It's, if you've not got a hold of this, I don't know how rare it is, but this this was fantastic. In Weetabix, they would give away... I mean, the, the one that they give you here is um, a French mock-up. But you would get scenes from the film... 
and you would be given decals that yeah. you rubbed onto the scene from the film and they give you one of them in this book I had a ton of them I think they did them for Superman and stuff at the motion picture but I, I could be wrong a few Man ones. yeah there's it's just certainly the 70s stuff mm-hmm. there's a notes there. there's music notes for John Williams's concerts there's a cut out land speeder yeah uh, this is easily a reel though a movie reel there's just so much in this that isn't in the book and by the time you get to the Empire Strike Back there's a script extract a literal photocopy of George Lucas's notepad complete with the holes where it would be ring binded and if you've not got a hold of this and you're any kind of Star Wars fan you need to see if you can track yourself a copy down it'd be really expensive though is it? Is this well, not available anymore? Um, you got it a while ago, was it not? Like I got this one, it was up? new. No, this was bought new for me for a Christmas present. Yeah. It was, again, it was either off your mum or off uh, Mama, mother-in-law. Because she does get a quite cool present on your mum's on your mum's behalf. Yeah. Or under your mum's uh, well, tutelage. She's, she's starting to learn the internet now. She is, yeah. There's a Revenge of the Jedi port. Look at that! Yeah. Revenge of the Jedi stickers. You have them on... Um, that Nan and Grandad. When I lived with me Nan, I had them on the a mirror. mirror yeah. yeah. And mine said Return of the Jedi. They still had them. Yeah. Uh, there was a Darth Vader one. I had a Darth Vader, Chewbacca, and uh, Darth Vader. Yeah. And I had a, a Back, Back to the, the Future, Future one, one that says, I've seen the Time Machine. Yeah. From when Back to the Future 2 was released. Mm. We went watching it at the multiplex in Warrington. They had the DeLorean in front of the cinema. Yeah. And they were giving away those stickers, I've seen the Time Machine. And there was also one T-Day with Douglas's mum. Yeah. Which was, prom- which was promoting the long dark tea time of the soul which was the second Dirt Gently book by Douglas Adams. Uh, but yeah, the Star Wars vault is absolutely magnificent. It is well Japanese worth checking down. You get the, the prequel stuff's not as interesting. It's not. There's a lovely bit on Star Tours. A sick bag. A space sickness bag, <laughs> if you're sick on Star Tours. And all that's really good. Um, the prequel stuff isn't as interesting. Again, it's not because I'm down on the prequels. I'm not. Um, I've said before I would rather watch The Phantom Menace on a 24 hour loop <laughs> than watch J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movies but it's just the, the freebies aren't as good there's not as many reflections recollections sorry not reflections of being a kid with a lot of these mm. whereas with the they're just not as cool either. yeah there is a certain 60s 60s mm. 70s shtick appeal to the 70s stuff. I mean, some of it's good. It's nice that you get a Star Wars at 30 advert and Celebration 4 and there's lots of pictures of cute kids dressed up. But if you're any time a Star Wars fan, you need to track down the Star Wars vault. The second one of these I got was the Batman one. Now, the Batman vault was written by Robert Greenberger and Matthew K. Mann. And it's worth having because of the foreword by Jerry Robinson, who is no longer with us. This follows the same format as the Star Wars one. It doesn't come in a slip case. But it's ring-binded pages. It's a history of the Batman. Yeah, again, the the selling point with this is the freebies. Yeah, they always are with these vaults. There's a, a photostat of real artwork, original artwork from the cover of Detective Comics 60. Which is aged. Yeah, which is aged to... I mean, I don't know whether they photocopied it to make it look aged. There's autographed pictures of Adam West and Burt Ward. There's a wonderful colouring book from 1966. Yeah. Where they give you pages from the 1966 colouring book. This is... 
it's worth getting these stuff. There's original art, the cells and from the Super Friends and other stuff. Batman mask. This one also comes with um, Bob Kane original art. As yes, well. it does come with a, that's a, a sketch of Robin on the back of a napkin. Yeah, with signed to yeah, someone. Yeah, and they've replicated the napkin. Yeah, they've done a wonderful job with it. There's a publicity brochure for 1991 for Batman the animated series. There's the original art, the cover of Detective Comics 500, uh, which is again magnificent. This is. It isn't quite as good as the Star Wars one in terms of the additional stuff that you get with it, mm. is it? But what you do get, How to Draw a Batman Booklet from 1978, yeah. there's some original art by Paul Galassi, what became, um, what was that storyline? Prey, was it, in Legends of the Dark Knight? Mm. George Perez's artwork that was given away, well not given away, but George Perez's artwork from a portfolio we did which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, build your own backplane, which is a backplane cut out from 1943. Yeah. Even though apparently the backplane wasn't in the 1943 serial, there is background animation cells from Batman the Animated Series. It's a good book. There is a reproduction of Batcave, the Batcave poster from All-Star Batman and Robin number four. Yeah, the big by Jim Lee. Yeah, it was a big fold-out thing in the actual comic, wasn't it? Which inspired Brian Hitch in Ultimates Two to do a bigger one. He said in an interview he heard Jim Lee did a six-page fold-out, so he thought, you know what, I'm doing an eight-page. I'm doing an eight-page one. One of the best things in it is you get the actual mobile to promote Robin's first miniseries. That that was hung in comic shops. I remember seeing that. Yeah. They put a string through his fists and hang it from the roof. So he was actually, yeah. So you, you, and they're reproduced in such a way that if you wanted to, you yeah. could have them. The real reproductions. Yeah. yeah. So you could actually have that out and hang it from your ceiling if you wanted to. You've got an Anton first sketch for the Batman 1989 movie. Batgirl wearing a bikini. So if that interests you, you know. Dina Mayer as Batgirl from the Birds of a Prey miniseries. There's not as much... Freebies in it. You do get a Darwin Cook design sketchbook, which is worth it for us. Yeah. I think. They're they're still publishing these vault things. Yeah. Batman Beyond Return of the Joker conception sketches. It's a good good thing, I'm glad that we found it. It doesn't come in the slipcase. Yeah, which means it's not as easy to take care of because the ring binded pages aren't very good. The last one of these I found was Peter David and Robert Greenberg's Spider Man Vault. Easily the most disappointing of the three of them. Yeah. It's just a pretty much straight up retelling of the history of Spider-Man. Again, there is some interesting stuff in it. We're not expecting a lot from it as well. I don't know. I mean, it could be I am so familiar with Spider-Man history now that a historical book is of no interest to me. It could be that they couldn't get the rights to do as many of the giveaways that were in the Batman. No, there's not. There's a great reproduction of the original art for the first page of Amazing Fantasy 15 and Marvel Mania character drawings by Gil Kane. There's a wonderful thing that I actually do want to put in the back of the car. Yeah. It's a bumper sticker that says this car is protected by your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man. Mm. And I would actually like to put that in the car. But And they've got on the back uh, the trading card poster. Yeah, the tra- there's faithful reproduction of trading cards with the back that you could put together to make a poster. And there is, I don't want to make out there's not some interesting stuff in here. There is. But, I mean, there's a poster there. 
Marvel posters using er for airbrushed paintings that were sold in the 70s. There's a magnificent free one later on by Ritley and Erdy. That's a great poster that, again, you can hang on your wall. There's a black Spider-Man sticker and postcard. So there is some good stuff in here, a Spider-Man mask and a reproduction of the letter-headed paper Marvel used in 1978. It doesn't seem that that's as, it's as interesting as the stuff in the Batman or the Star Wars one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's a shot from Old Man Logan where the Spider-Mobile reappears, which only reinforces my opinion of Old Man Logan that whoever did the art on that did not look up what the Spider-Mobile looked like. Because it doesn't look anything like the Spider-Mobile from Amazing Spider-Man, does it? Yeah, Be honest. It doesn't, but... Same colour scheme. That's pretty much it, isn't it? Maybe it's just the same chassis, just on a different... Body. You would think Hawkeye rebuilt it from scratch. Yeah. See? All right. There's a huge chunk in here about the marriage of Peter and Mary Jane. <laughs> is it just blank pages now? Yeah, it's just blank pages now. My favourite bit of this is Amazing Spider-Man issue... 262 had a photo cover. Yeah. And it featured an actor called Scott Lever, who played Peter Parker Spider-Man in many of Marvel's promotional appearances at the time. There is a wonderful shot of him mimicking a cover, a Ditko splash page. He's half Peter Parker holding a test tube complete with tank top. Yeah. And half Spider-Man. And that's brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. I really do like that. Yeah. Reproductions of real sketches by Klaus Janssen, Jim Lee, mm. and Andrew Wildman. I don't know how they got a Jim Lee one. Was he not exclusive to DC at this point? I do like the Daily Bugle press pass mm. that was given away when the movie had its premiere. Then there's a whole section on the Spider-Man TV show starring Nicholas Hammond and Spider-Man is Amazing Friends. And I especially like the reproductions of the Daily Bugle covers. Why did they not give us one of them? an actual mock-up yeah. of a Daily Bugle newspaper rather than, a picture. rather than just a picture of it. That kind of thing, I think, would have been much preferred to what they did give us. And they gloss over Marvel's superhero Islands of Adventure, mm. which I think is criminal. Yeah. Islands of Adventure is awesome, especially the Spider-Man ride. And that about wraps it up, really, for our 150th episode. I suppose mm. you want to end on an email? Uh, yeah. We may as well cover another email. So the last email tonight is David LePage. It just says podcast. Hello, David. Hello, Andy and Mike. Hello. Hello. Just wondering if either of you have read Lock and Key by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. It's a great book. If you have, I would love to hear you do a show about it. If not, you really should. Afterwards, you could do a show about it. <laughs> uh, I've never read Lock and Key. Have you read Lock and Key? I have not. Oh, so... Right. Okay, then. All right, well, we'll do another email. <laughs> Because <laughs> that one ended up being, uh, sorry, we've not read that. Uh, and the final email tonight, Spencer Thompson, who is our first-time emailer. Yes. Welcome, Spencer. Good show. But a Thank long you. time. Long-time listener. Yeah. First-time emailer. Enjoyed the show on G.I. Joe, found a free version of issue one on a popular online digital comics retailer, and was pleasantly surprised by its proto-Arnie techno-muscular foreign intervention storyline. Any plans to revisit the IDW reimagining of the series? I have heard good things. We've not decided what, but I I certainly think we may revisit G.I. Joe in the future. A, because we enjoyed it, Mm. and B, because it was very popular, and we're all about chasing the downloads. We should do another couch potato where we watch all the... uh, We are not watching the animated series. No, 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 not the animated series. All this goodwill that we've built up. Uh, The public service announcements, we should watch Just the public service announcements. We may very well do that (laughs) as a couch potato. That may be fun. 
I also wanted to ask about something that came up in your mailbag. You mentioned that the Green Lantern ring would work better if given to a Marvel character. Have you ever read Nova? Basically, it is Marvel's version of Green Lantern, except with a helmet instead of a ring. I'm not sure which is a cooler accessory. They even have a Nova core, even though it appears they are all dead. Which is just like the yeah. Green Lantern core, then, isn't it? Um, I've read little bits of the 70s Nova. I've read little bits of the new Cobra Nova. And I've read the first issue of the new Jeff Loeb one, but I've never found the, the remaining four issues that Loeb did mm. in the 50p well, bins yet. That he did five. Right, and I've not found them in the 50 pence bins yet so if I do I will pick them up because I did enjoy that first issue and it's Ed McGuinness as well and it's Ed McGuinness artwork yeah so the first arc of the recent relaunch is really good Jeff Loeb origin story for the newest incarnation of the character a teenager who takes over the mantle from his father would be interested to hear your take on the character in the last couple of issues it's featured a cameo by the superior Spider-Man and an Infinity tie which have been enjoyable but probably means it's going to be cancelled shame anyway as a massive fan of Richard Stark eagerly awaiting tomorrow's episode ciao Spenny T well thank you very much for your email mm-hmm. sad that we, we couldn't say we've read Nova Apart from little bits of it, but you never know. The show is constantly evolving. We may get round to that at some point in the future. Yeah. Anyway, I think that about wraps it up. We've rambled. Issue 150 was a rambly show. It was a good show. Was it? I enjoyed we it. We could very well have fallen flat on our faces. Mm. So we'll have to, I'll have to see what it listens like in the edit. Yeah. When I fix well, it. We've we milked it for long enough. Yeah, that's true. So that's that's. An award. Next time on an all new episode of Hickett's Comics. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. His life and times. <laughs> Carrying on a little bit more than I should do. Yeah, we're going to look back at Nick Fury because I am convinced he is about to meet his end Again. in the regulation Marvel Universe. But we'll go into that in more detail next time. We're going to cover uh, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, a couple of strange tales. When he took over S.H.I.E.L.D. And then the week after that, we're going to look at Garth Ennis' miniseries. Peacemaker was the six-issue one, and then there was the 12-issue one, our war gone by, wasn't it? Oh, we're not doing Max? Yeah, Punishment oh, right, right, Fury right. Max, yeah. Right. I think we'll do the 12-issue one in one show, so it probably won't be a page-by-page breakdown. Yeah. More similar to what we did with Batman last time. Right. Anyway, we hope you enjoy this rambling one. We thought we'd try and do something a bit different for issue episode 150. I don't know if it worked. You will be the ultimate arbiter of that. But we'll be back next week with more back to normal, yeah. I think. With uh, a look at some more war comics, or spy comics, depending on your point of view. See you next week. Bye-bye. Good one. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only. And no infringement is intended, so don't send your phalanx of highly paid lawyers after us as we have no money. Certainly this show was not turned into a lucrative revenue stream as no money is made from this either, which vexes us. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and no one else. They own them, cherish them and look after them, but are probably not to be taken too seriously. New episodes drop every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com and Hey Kids Comics is a part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, your one-stop shop for a plethora of truly fine shows. Join in the fun. 
We have a website where you can see the covers of the comics we've covered at www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com and we can be emailed directly at heykidscomics.virginmedia.com. We can also be friended on Facebook by using Hey Kids, all one word as the first name, and Comics as the surname. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks.com. We do hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.